Good morning, Captain. It's a beautiful day on the oceans outside of Maui. And after the storms that have hit Hawaii recently, the good weather is welcome. Mark Lammers is going to need it. Oh, they're here. Standing at the bow of the ship, he spots the humpback whales swimming ahead, their spouts giving away their location. It takes a trained eye and lots of practice to be able to do what he does. With one hearty motion, Mark whips a long pole through the morning sky and smacks a tag right on their back. As the research coordinator for the Hawaiian Islands Humpback Whale National Marine Sanctuary, he's tagged tons of whales, all in the name of science. You're listening to Stemming the Tide from Honolulu Civil Beat. I'm your host, Ku'u Ka'uanoe. In Hawaii, whales are well-known and well-loved creatures. These ocean giants are an awe-inspiring part of living in the islands, but they are also crucial to their marine environment. So what happens when warming waters threaten their habitat? In this episode, we are going into the belly of the whale to understand how this species is not just impacted by climate change, but how their bodies can mitigate it. Scientists like Mark are constantly sampling for all kinds of data when they are out on the water. Population number, size, stress levels, they use those numbers to better understand whales. My name is Martin van Eswigen, and my project is centered around how do we measure the size and the health of humpback whales throughout their entire life cycle. Martin van Eswigen is a PhD student at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. He spends 10 months out of the year following humpback whales from their feeding grounds in Alaska to their breeding grounds in Hawaii. Using drones, he and his team catalog the animal's size, measuring their length and width to see how they've grown over time. You may ask the question, why is size important? Size very much regulates a lot of the different processes in ecology. It tells us a lot about the health of the animal, what kind of nutritional state is it in. And these humpbacks have to stay healthy. They need to consume enough food to travel upwards of 10,000 miles. Because they fast during breeding season, they will need a lot of energy to make their migratory trips and oftentimes have to make it back to northern waters with babies in tow. So you can imagine the energetic costs associated with that. If you have to give birth to this calf that's already 15 feet long when it's born, and then you have to supply it with high-fat milk every single day while you're fasting as a mother. But what happens when food is inaccessible or scarce due to changing conditions in the ocean brought on by climate change? Scientists got a preview of this from 2013 to 2018, when one of the most extreme warming events happened in the northern Pacific Ocean. It's known as the blob. Every spring, a bloom of phytoplankton is ready for feasting. Little shrimps and crustaceans eat those tiny marine plants, and then they get eaten by bigger fish, and so on and so forth, all the way up the food chain. The blob changed that. 
not only did surface water temperature increase by several degrees, but the shift in winds didn't bring up the usual nutrients needed to produce that food. So not only were your abundance of prey just completely shattered, but you're also left with lower quality prey, with the animals that were left to be taken up by these whales. The entire ecosystem took a hit. So what we saw up there was, it wasn't just whale specific. Millions of seabirds died off. You had huge deaths from sea lions and different pinniped species up there. You had your halibut and your different foraging fish depleted as well, both in size and abundance. For humpback whales, it meant lowered survival rates for calves and mortality across the population. In a normal year, you should be seeing 60 to 80 uh, mother calf pairs up in Alaska. In 2018, we saw three. And unfortunately, we know two of them passed away while up there. Which is depressing because whales are supposed to be one of the most long-lived creatures of the ocean. If heat waves continue, and we know they will because of climate change, that magnificent bloom of food could shift to later in the year, throwing off the ecosystem that needs it. So not only are they becoming more severe, but you're also finding that the amount of time in between these heat waves that these animals have to recover is getting less and less. So eventually it's going to become the norm. And what does that mean for whales? What does it mean for the entire ecosystem in general? It's, it's a little bit scary. Food availability for whales is super important, not just for their own health, but for the health of the ocean. We're pretty certain that if we have more whales, we have a healthier ecosystem. That's Heidi Pearson, an associate professor at the University of Alaska Southeast. Heidi says that the ocean, its plants and sea creatures like whales, play a very important role in the Earth's carbon cycle because of its ability to absorb more carbon from the atmosphere than it releases. This is known as a carbon sink. The ocean is naturally a big carbon sink, and the estimates are between maybe a quarter to a third of human-caused carbon dioxide emissions are actually naturally absorbed by the ocean. All sea animals store organic carbon in their bodies. The bigger they are, the more carbon they can store, and the longer they live, the longer they can capture carbon. And that's where whales are the big winners because they are such long-lived animals and they are so big. And while the research on this is still ongoing, Heidi says that whales and their conservation could be a player in climate change mitigation. You know, looking at the natural ability of the marine environment to actually help us and the planet is kind of a, a needed thing right now. There's a lot of gloom and doom with climate change, and, and rightly so, and we can't, we can't neglect that. But I think that the more we get the message out that if we just protect what's here for us, it could actually help all of us. Whales are the superstars of the sea, and people care a lot about them already. Humans and whales, they have this affinity that we see ourselves and them sometimes, and you see that investment that goes in, this intelligence at play, this altruism, these social bonds that are not that different to ours, right? And you see that, and because of that, we know we care instantly. For Martin, his work helps to keep this species off the ledge. Gathering all this research, even during the blob, helps to inform conservation efforts and policymaking. We do the best we can through solid science. We present that to the people who are making the decisions. We're all under pressure in different ways. 
But at the end of the day, it's certainly not a lost cause by any stretch of imagination. It's certainly more a case of, we have time, what can we implement to make life easier on these animals? And I feel like, optimistically, we have a, a really good shot of at least maintaining populations the way they are for now, if not increasing them as we go forward. Thanks for listening to Stemming the Tide. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the pod wherever you are listening to it right now. I'm your host, Ku'u Ka'uanoe. My colleague Marina Starleaf-Riker helped me to report this story. Additional audio provided by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. My editor is Nathan Eagle, and this episode was produced by April Estrelon. Stemming the Tide is supported by the Environmental Funders Group of the Hawaii Community Foundation, Marisla Fund of the Hawaii Community Foundation, and the Frost Family Foundation. To learn more about Civil Beat and our journalism, subscribe to our free morning email newsletter by texting CIVIL to 66866.